Welcome to Think Peace, the podcast for founders, creators, coaches, and curious minds building the future of online business. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel. It's time to think deeper. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Uh, this week on Think Peace, we're going to be talking a little bit about getting back to basics in your business and finding your hustle. More on that in a second. Before we dive in, I just wanted to remind you that the best way to actually work with me right now and get feedback from me and learn from me is actually through my paid newsletter over at thinkpeace.fyi. A lot of you have been reading the newsletter for many years in various capacities. Uh, last month, I have decided to double down on that, go deeper into that work and make it really the core of what I'm offering at an extremely accessible rate. And I wanted to just thought I would take a second to read some of the early feedback we got from some of our paid subscribers. Um, I really love what Rochelle wrote. Thank you, Rochelle. Uh, Rochelle wrote, I support your work because you think and write about trends and issues that are important to me as an online small business owner that I don't necessarily have the bandwidth to keep tabs on, but really should. Your thinking helps me grow. I think Rochelle really hits on the key point of what Think Peace, the newsletter is all about. I am that friend who is reading all the news and reading all the tweets and pulling together all these different sources to try to help you get that information that you do need about what's happening in tech, what's happening in the market, also what's happening philosophically in our moment and how that impacts your business. I'm putting that into a format where you can easily digest it in you know five or seven minutes instead of having to do all that research yourself. I've worked with so many small business owners. I know how brilliant y'all are, and I know you are so busy. Um, and I really think that ThinkPeace is positioned to become a very useful tool for making sure that you are on top of those trends and also getting the opportunity to think more deeply about your business and work, but be prompted to do so in a really like simple and easy way to uh, engage. Um, over on the new newsletter, you can comment if you're a paid subscriber. You can actually ask me questions in our monthly advice and coaching column. So you can get a lot of the uh, benefits that used to only be available inside my membership or coaching programs, but just asynchronously on a newsletter that's super easy to engage with. I also wanted to thank Saturday for saying, I've always appreciated your nuance, clarity, and no bullshit style. Thank you, Saturday. I think that those of you who appreciate that part of the podcast will really appreciate the work over at ThinkPeace. Jessica wrote that we need more deeply researched writing for small businesses. And I think that is also part of what I'm trying to bring forward. I am really interested in those deeper level of connections and surfacing them for you guys over there. And we have some other great notes. I won't take any more of your time today, but thank you to our early paid subscribers. It has made a huge difference to me um, in terms of my, yeah, my ability to imagine making this the biggest part of my work, which is what I really dream of for myself and also for my ability to impact all of y'all more deeply. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Go to thinkpeace.fyi when you're done listening to this, you can go ahead and subscribe. Right now it's only seven bucks a month. It's probably a tax write-off for most of you as a business owner, so go for it. I can't wait to hang out with you over there. Um, but today, I want to talk about the hustle. So um, I have a little bit of a funny story. I was talking to one of my business advisors this week, and as you all know, if you've been listening to the podcast at all in the past like year, I've been going through some really big changes in terms of what I'm doing. And the biggest thing has been shutting down my primary product, Holistic Business Academy, um, and ultimately that is leading to me shutting down my corporation. That's not really a, anything other than a logistical change, but I had a corporation as like a business entity designed to support the scaling of that product. Since I'm no longer running that product for 
20 million different reasons that I've already talked about. Maintaining the corporation doesn't make a lot of sense. So I was talking to my advisor about this change and he said something and kind of talking about how I'm feeling a little bit free floaty right now. Uh, I'm doing consulting and coaching in a one-on-one way and, you know, for small teams, which I do really love. Um, I'm focused on the newsletter, but I don't really have like a product in mind. I don't have that next thing. I've been kind of looking for it. And he was saying something to me really interesting. He said, you know, I've talked to you and a lot of founders. He's someone who works with a lot of founders, especially people who are trying to create kind of scalable startup business kind of things. And he said, you know, he's like, not to call you lazy, but and I laughed because I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. Not to call you lazy, but when you get to the point in your business where you're aiming for long-term sustainability, when you're trying to envision scaling and making choices that are good for the long-term, you can lose your ability to hustle. You can lose your ability to just figure out how to make money, right? To do, you won't focus on the thing that'll maybe make you some cash right now that you know you can't do long-term. And I loved the way that he said this, and I had to share it with you guys, because is it about laziness per se? No, that's not quite the right word. But it is, as he said, about not being able to find your hustle. I have a podcast episode from a couple years ago called Hard Work Versus Hustle, which is a really great breakdown of kind of how I think about these two things. And I think what he's really talking about is more what I would call like the hard work side of it. Um, but you know, hustle has kind of a bad rap in, I think a lot of the spaces I work in, because we tend to think of it as being this kind of, you know, myth of meritocracy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you just work harder and harder and harder, then you will get untold riches (laughs) and fame and fortune, right? It's the the lie of it that I think a lot of us um, have a problem with, those people who are listening here. And this idea of hustle as like working harder and harder and harder and harder um, is something that I really challenge by personally, something that I've challenged throughout the course of my career, because I know that it's actually really hard to break out of that, right? If you build a business based off of, you know, working 18, 20 hour days every day, it's really actually hard to then stop doing that and reach some level of sustainability. But what my advisor was getting at was that there are times in our businesses where we actually need short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And I know a couple weeks ago, I was talking about kind of longer-term planning in your business as we head towards the end of the year, instead of getting super hyper-focused on like what you want to do before the end of the year. But I'm going to balance that today by talking about short-term thinking, especially for revenue generation. This is also on my mind because we just had our first um, advice column go out over on ThinkPiece. I'm calling it Brain Trust, as in, you know, you know, talk to the Brain Trust. <laughs> the Brain Trust is me. Sorry, that's it. <laughs> um, that'd be cool. That's a future, that could be a cool future ThinkPiece thing. I have so many great colleagues who could do guest po- guests on that. Oh my God, I love that idea. Okay, uh, you should subscribe. So I have money to pay them to come and guest. That would be great. But I just wrote a piece answering a question somebody had sent me, which is this kind of like overarching anxiety that I feel from so many of you right now and so many of the conversations that I'm having with people, which is essentially like, is online business over? Um, And there's a real palpable fear in the space as so many of the things that a lot of us have relied on for the past decade, essentially, uh, until kind of now, you know, nothing has been really new, really nothing new in online business since essentially the creation of the kind of ad targeting and social media platforms that are used to to do lead generation. 
I've talked about this at length. I have an other podcast episode from this summer, um, about the future of online marketing and some of these things. So I won't rehash that here, but in writing this post, one of the things that started to come up and wasn't quite appropriate for my, you know, what I was focused on for responding to that person's question, but was kind of this, like, so what do you do when things feel really uncertain? What do you do in your business? What's the best thing for you to focus on? And this is really what my advisor was calling hustle, right? In the sense of like this figure it outness that is really a core skill for entrepreneurs, especially in the early stage. Now we're always figuring stuff out, right? But as your business grows, it does some, to some extent kind of atrophy. Um, I've talked over on the Rad Reads podcast, the Examine Life podcast with Key um, that came out a couple weeks ago. You should definitely check out that episode. I was talking about how my business got to a size where it actually was really hard to pivot. It's hard to turn a bigger boat. There is a certain atrophy that starts to come into these businesses as they grow. And of course, even bigger businesses have even bigger issues with that, right? When you have hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of employees, changing direction is really challenging. It's hard to do with three or four employees. It's hard to do with an established product. So we almost have to go back in time to the first days of our business. And when my advisor was saying this to me, I did start laughing because I, I said to him, I was like, I used to be able to take two leaves, like leaves from trees, rub them together and make a dollar right? I have always felt very strong in my ability to make money appear. Maybe not a lot of money, <laughs> not untold's amount of money, um, but enough money to get to the next stage. I've always been very good at that in the context of my business. And I started to feel like I lost that skill. I lost that ability to just make magic happen. And I think that's what he was talking about with this, not this laziness, as he said, but this kind of this, you losing that ability to hustle, that atrophy of that muscle of making it happen because it's necessary. Now, we don't always want to be in this place, right? Driven by necessity. It's not sustainable long-term. That's kind of the critique that I have and a lot of people have towards, quote, hustle culture. Being driven at that level is not is not sustainable. This is where we get to burnout and breakdowns where our bodies start to revolt and our hearts start to revolt and our minds start to revolt. And it's not long-term sustainable, but it is short-term, a skill that is valuable to have. So I wanted to offer that up today. First of all, it's just something to think about. If you're feeling a little stagnant, if you're feeling a little stuck, right? You might have backed yourself into a bit of a corner by telling yourself that what you're doing is focusing on long-term sustainability, is focusing on the big picture. It's really easy to get stuck there, just as easy as it is to get stuck in the hustle cycle. Um, so what can we do to be a little bit more nimble, a little bit more agile in our businesses right now? Especially heading towards the end of the year, there is still time for you to launch something new, depending on what it is, 100%, even something you haven't planned for. So the first thing I want to ask us, all right, our first little thought prompt here, is what is something that you used to do in your business that you will no longer do? Okay. Uh, the first thing that comes up for me, something that I used to do in my business that I no longer do. And I would say, generally would say I would no longer do, right? I would say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not willing to do that is one-off sessions. All right. Um, I started my business doing a couple different things. I made herbal products and I advised as an herbalist and I was a tarot reader. I was offering spiritual counseling sessions, essentially coaching sessions using tarot. Well, I wouldn't do that specific thing anymore. I no longer read tarot publicly. Um, I could offer one-off sessions again. I haven't done that since um, March, 2020. It was actually the last time I did that. I offered a special one-off session 
and it was successful. I sold several. The people who got them were very happy. It's like, oh, that's something I could do, right? That's something that would generate some revenue. What is it for you, right? It might be something you used to make. It might be a particular kind of session that isn't sustainable long-term, but you know, you could do some. It might just get you kind of excited, excited to generate some revenue, excited to do something different. Once your business is at a stage where things are really codified, it can be fun to do the thing that isn't scalable just to shake it up, just to have different kinds of conversations or different kinds of clients, right? The clients I have who would book a one-off session with me are very different than the clients I'm working with in my multi-month coaching programs, right? There's a huge revenue difference. There's a huge goal difference. Something else I think about that I used to do was I did these big year-end tarot readings. Some of you will remember them. They were extremely popular. They were these year-ahead readings. I would do them in December. They took forever. They were exhausting. I could never charge appropriately, even when they got quite expensive. I just couldn't charge the right amount for what it took out of me. I spent like six to eight hours, like focused hours on them for each client. It was hard. It was really hard to charge correctly people loved them. It was really powerful. It was something that was really potent. I did enjoy it, even though I could never quite get the, the energy level. Right now, again, that's not something I would do now specifically, but I'm like, what is something like that? This all encompassing rich kind of offer that isn't something I could do a lot of, but I could just sell one off. Some of you might have something like that. That's in your back pocket. Something that right now you may be thinking of, you know, it'd be a little begrudgingly to like pull it out of the pocket but maybe it would be fun. The second thing I want you to think about, all right, if the first thing is something you used to do but wouldn't now, the second thing is what's something that you wouldn't do because you're afraid of being judged? Now, I mentioned those special readings I did in March, 2020. Um, I remember when I launched them, it was this business reading I used to do. It was like a 60 or 90 minute reading and it was really like a business coaching session that was, we used tarot to guide it, okay? And So I was a little more intuitive than a lot of the work I do now. I still do a lot of intuitive work in the context of my coaching. I just don't really call it that. It's just, you know, (laughs) what I do. Um, But it was really kind of a little bit more driven in that sense. And they were, they were popular. They were also more expensive for, for what, uh, for what I was charging at the time, certainly. And for kind of tarot readings at the time, but I launched them and I remember somebody said to me, oh, I knew that you were worried about money because you launched tarot readings. And it made my heart plummet, right? I hadn't done tarot readings in a while, um, maybe like six or nine months. Um, It made like my stomach like fell to the fucking earth because I was being perceived in a way that I did not want to be perceived in a way that I thought was counter to what was necessary for me to be perceived in the market in order to be successful. I was afraid of being judged. I felt shame actually. And that person didn't mean it this way. They were just commenting. It wasn't it was fine. Um, but my response to it, I was horrified and I can look back now and I can look at that as being this moment where I started to really be careful about what I offered and what I said, because I was afraid of being perceived as unsuccessful. This is a really tricky one online. This is a really tricky one for anyone who does work that is business to business in particular, being perceived as unsuccessful right? 
or like you're having money problems or like you've done something that hasn't worked is a real fucking problem. If your job is to help people make more money, right? If you are a marketer, if you are a social media marketer, if you are a salesperson, if you make funnels, if you do automations, if you do business coaching, like whatever it is, right? You make software to help businesses. Um, anything B2B, there is a certain veneer of success that is required. Now, I'm not suggesting that we lie about it, right? Like, but I'm talking about how we present our businesses. This is why, of course, people will have testimonials with numbers in them from their clients, why people will, you know, it's just a brand presentation, right? This is true for, you know, things, people working with consumers as well, but B2B, it's particularly scarce. If people think you're doing something because you're not making money, right? Why would they hire you? <laughs> right? There, there's this kind of real industry concern about, you know, the coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches. So the people who only make money by kind of telling other people they can make money and you ha- there's just a lot of mess in the perception of it. So when this person said that to me, that they knew that I was worried and it was March, 2020. So I'm talking literally like, you know, about a month after lockdown started, or we didn't really do lockdowns in the U S but you know what I mean? Um, kind of pandemic declarations and stuff. And like, obviously I was worried about money. Who wasn't? I had just had a launch of my membership. It had gone okay, but numbers were down about 30% across the board. Um, we actually like did our launch, like right, like the week after California lockdown, I remember cause I was in California and like flew back the day before that they were like kind of stopping flights. So like, yeah, I was worried about money. Who wasn't right in March. This was before the big boom. I went on in uh, June, I think to have my biggest month, but it's still been my single biggest month ever in business was June, 2020. Um, might've been July. I can't remember June or July. So I think of that and I think of what I started to associate with that, this fear that trying things, testing things was going to create a perception that I wasn't successful, that I wasn't good at my job, that I was worried about money. Now this is of course a problem because part of my job is to test things. Part of my job is to try things. That's how I can advise others is because I tried something. I'm at a place in my career where I get to work with a lot of clients who are testing things and working on bigger projects. So I have other data points than just myself, but for many years, a lot of my data points were me, right? Uh, and not saying that everything I did would necessarily work for someone else, but I would try things out and then report back. That was part of the value that I provided to my, my communities. So I'm curious for you, what's the thing that you're afraid to do because you're afraid someone's going to judge you? Is it offering a service again after you've gone fully scalable? Is it making a cheap paid newsletter? (laughs) Some of this came up for me. I was like, oh my God, if I'm making a cheap paid newsletter, everyone's going to think that, I don't know what, something. I had many, many stories of what people would think about me by me saying, I really just want to write a newsletter (laughs) Um, and I'm not making a million dollars, right? What is the thing that you're a little afraid to do? I do think I'm like, man, I could think of some cool one-off stuff I could do, even if I am afraid. So that place where there's some fear of judgment or how you're going to be perceived, it might actually be a big opportunity in your business. At some earlier stage, you probably wouldn't have cared. You would have just done it because you needed to make money. And maybe you do now, right? That's fine. So maybe there's something there in the, when I'm talking and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or I had this idea, but I was afraid if I did that, everyone would think blah, blah, blah. Well, who cares what they think? Are people going to buy it? Is it going to help people? Then it might be something interesting. All right, so we looked at two different things, right? Something you used to do but wouldn't now. Something that you're a little afraid to do. You're afraid of what the perception might be. You're afraid of what other people might say about it. And there's one other thing I want us to think about today, which is 
the thing you really wish you were doing. Now, the thing you really wish you were doing, maybe you're doing it right now, in which case, good for you. Congratulations. Enjoy your life. (laughs) But a lot of you, I know you're not. I know this because I've experienced it myself, right? I've talked about this with this new newsletter I've launched. It took me a year to finally just be like, I kind of just want to write and get paid for it. (laughs) Am I allowed to do that? But I've also talked to a lot of you. And I know that often we say, I'll do this thing when. When my audience is this big, then I'll launch my newsletter. When I have this much in sales, then I'll finally stop one-on-one. When this, then that. Now, the nuance of how you're going to sort that out for your own business long-term, that's a whole other conversation. But right now, why aren't you doing the thing you want to do? Why are you stopping yourself? Is the prerequisite that you have set up actually a requirement? Often it's not. And you've used this example a lot because it's the most common one is where I hear people say, I'll build an audience and then I'll sell something to them. I'm going to wait to sell. I actually see this over in the kind of Substack commentary. They say to wait to turn on paid subscriptions, to which I'm kind of like, why? Now there's a lot of nuance in terms of like whether you're going to have paywall everything or this, that, or the other, but people are like, oh, I'm going to wait till I have a certain number of subscribers to turn on paid subscriptions. And I'm like, why? If you know you want people to pay for it, give them the opportunity to pay for it, right? There's a lot of strategies and whatever, but I was like, why wait? So what are you waiting on? Because you've created some arbitrary line that says you need to wait to do it. If we think again to those early, early days, and some of you might be in the early days, in which case I hope you're kind of getting the, getting some of the, just the enthusiasm that can come from the, the, the early hustle, right? This kind of positive hustle we're talking about today. Think back to those early days when you knew you wanted to do something and maybe you just did it. The stakes felt really low. There was no one watching you. There were no expectations. No one fucking cared. (laughs) No one cared what you were doing, (laughs) right? Even people who are coming from big backgrounds often get a couple moments, right? Unless you've raised a bunch of money and you have a bunch of investors breathing down your neck, you're probably testing some stuff without anyone looking at you right now, right? Or a small list or your friends and family, Instead of kind of being derisive towards that version of yourself, where, where are they now? What is this thing you're putting off? And is it possible actually that you could just start it today? It may not be long-term sustainable. It may not generate the revenue required to build your legacy. It may not, I don't know, help you retire, whatever. Are people still doing that? Anyway, but it might make you money today. It might give you joy today. It might be something that you're excited about today. And that might be exactly what you need. The online business industry and really the knowledge industry, this kind of culture industry, I'm working on the language right now because there's so many different factions and factors, but basically like stuff that comes from what you know and make and create. Small business-ish, online-ish stuff, right? is undergoing a bit of a change. It's actually at a stage of we're starting to like mature a little bit. It's only been about 10 years that the industry has existed in this current form, that it's been this easy for people to do stuff online without, you know, being able to code, for example. And it's only been a couple years that like you really can just like hop online. You can go on Gumroad. You like, you can spin up a product in like three seconds. You don't even have to front any money. Okay. That is new. 
So we're, and, and we're now entering this kind of maturation stage where there's been about 10 years of the same model. This is part of what I talk about in that essay for our paid subscribers on ThinkPiece is that like, as the industry is maturing a little bit, we are seeing some of the, the quick cash stuff fall apart, right? It's starting to slough off a little bit. This is not abnormal as an industry matures that the kind of early gold rush aspect starts to fade, but that's not a bad thing. First of all, it means that doing what you actually want to do is probably the best course forward. There isn't some quick buck to be made. Like even right now, the companies that are basically skins being put on top of something like OpenAI or ChatGPT, a lot of those are already collapsing because OpenAI is adding those features natively to its own products like ChatGPT. There was a big one this week where I think ChatGPT is now able to um, talk to uh, whatever, uh, I guess, synthesize and spit back out PDFs. And there had been a bunch of products built on top of ChatGPT by third parties accessing the ChatGPT um, you know, system to do just that. Well, now they're essentially useless, right? That doesn't mean they're going to lose all their customers, but they are now competing with the, with the actual base product. So even an AI, like this kind of the past year, we've seen this, this bubble gold rushy thing happening with so-called AI, large language models. I'm not going to get into all that right now. You guys know what I think. That's starting to crack a little. It doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities there, but this kind of like first stake in the sand kind of thing um, is gone, right? There, there's, you can't lay your first flag, lay your first flag. There are 20 million metaphors for like conquering and I've got none of them on the tip of my tongue, which honestly is probably fine. I don't want to think about the world in that way. Um, but there isn't some new horizon here, right? There isn't something new here, some specific hack or trick that you need to be implementing. And I think ultimately this creates a huge amount of freedom. If we don't have the fear of missing out on the next big thing, then we can actually come back to the work we're trying to create, the impact we're trying to have, and the people that we want to help. And yes, of course, to facilitate revenue growth and income and all of that stuff. But if there are no quick wins, if there is no cash cow to try to cash in on, then we can come back to basics and actually, yeah, maybe hustle a little bit. And by that, I mean, try it see what you can do, see what's going to work right now that will bring the revenue, but also that you can have fun with. That's all for this week. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Think Peace. You can read the newsletter, join the community, and learn how to work with me at thinkpeace.fyi. I'll see you next time.